Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. In several prior episodes, such as in episode 2-18, titled The Mystery of Compatibility, we've delved into the multitude of factors that play into whether two individuals are a good fit for one another in a given kind of relationship. We've noted that personality, personal history, and the circumstances in which people meet are all factors that affect degree of compatibility. In this episode, we'll give further consideration to what one can do in assessing the likelihood of a mutually satisfying deep connection with a new relationship prospect. Obviously, that sort of assessment is at least as much art as science, but there are some things that we can do to increase our chances of success in creating a fulfilling new connection. We can frame our exploration by noting that when we first encounter a new person, we have little to go on in forming a first judgment of their compatibility with us. We get to know a person in two phases. First, there is an initial phase of attraction, or lack thereof, during which we may observe a person and their interactions with others, but during which we haven't yet had a chance to interact with that person. We're all familiar with the flash of interest and attraction that we may feel for someone across a room, and who we hadn't previously encountered. Such occurrences are more than a little mysterious since they involve numerous elusive factors that include appearance, demeanor or how one holds oneself, signs of openness and receptiveness, how a person treats others, etc. Elusive though these factors are, they can be sufficient to spark our curiosity and interest. Second, if we find someone attractive, we may muster the determination and the courage to approach them and initiate communication. If the person is receptive to our approach, or if they approach us, what follows is a period of interaction, perhaps involving conversation, sharing fun or otherwise interesting events, shared meals, etc. It's through those interactions that we start to get some real information about what our partner is like. We may learn about their beliefs, attitudes, preferences, personal history, and many other things. Simultaneously, we share information about ourselves, which also gives us opportunities to see how our partner reacts to what we share. During this phase, we can also observe our partner's interactions with others, which tells us much about our partner's beliefs and behavior. As is inscribed on the Temple of Apollo in Delphi, and was counseled by Socrates, it's important to know thyself. Assessing compatibility with a partner is a process of gauging our fit with that person in different areas. We can't assess fit without knowing what we're trying to fit to, that is, ourselves. In particular, we need to know what's important to us and what we value. We also need to be clear about something that is often overlooked or underemphasized in assessing a relationship, what our goals are for that relationship. We may be quite compatible with a partner in a relationship that's focused on sharing a love of music in jam sessions. At the same time, that partner may lack what it takes to satisfy us in sharing the joys and burdens of a life partnership. Knowing what we want in various aspects of our life enables us to discern when we encounter someone who can share the specific aspects with us. There's some debate in public circles about whether likes attract or differences attract in relationships. In general, studies such as those that propose the similarity attraction hypothesis tend to conclude that couples who are well aligned on the things that they really care about, such as life goals, tend to be more compatible and stable in their ongoing intimate relationships over time. That is, for long-term deep connections, likes attract. 
In contrast, for short-term or less committed relationships, relatively superficial differences can provide spice in the relationship. For such non-central relationships, it's possible that differences attract. In addition, for core relationships, complementarity between partners in areas such as dominant submission and interpersonal relating style and goals can contribute to mutually satisfying interactions. In such cases, differences attract. These conclusions seem to be compatible with the theory of assortative mating, which proposes that individuals who are similar in appearance, such as in genetic or phenotypical traits, in personality, in socioeconomic standing, in racial or ethnic background, and core religious and other beliefs, tend to favor making connections with one another. That is, combinations between similar people occur in more than statistically average numbers. Once we start to interact with a new partner, what are the things that are likely to tell us the most about whether we're compatible? Here are a few suggestions. First, how do they treat us? Healthy relationships can't exist, much less deepen, without a basis in trust and respect. That means that we should be very attuned to how our partner treats us. Are they willingly, not grudgingly, respectful of our stated boundaries and preferences? Are they kind, considerate, and generous-spirited toward us and toward others? Do they keep their promises and commitments? Do we feel physically and emotionally safe in their presence? These are all key considerations. Second, is the relationship a two-way street? People who care for and value one another have a natural inclination to try to accommodate and please each other. Being generous and considerate toward one another helps ensure that the energy of the relationship flows in both directions, rather than unidirectionally from a giver to a taker. Both partners can then feel appreciated, which encourages both partners to invest in their relationship. Third, do we see eye to eye on important things? Is our partner reasonably well aligned with us on the things that really matter to us? No two people are copies of one another, of course, and seeking out a partner who is a near copy of us is likely to lead to a pretty bland, unsurprising, and unsatisfying connection. Still, if a partner has major differences from us in important areas, such as worldview or preferred beliefs about and treatment of others, that's likely to become a major point of friction over time. It's important to not sweat the small stuff, which could also prove annoying and discounting to one's partner. But it's even more important to be clear and insistent about honoring the things that are important to us. Fourth, do we enjoy being with each other? Do we have fun when we're with our partner and are we at ease with them and vice versa? Different people find fun in different things, so again, this comes down to a matter of alignment and a willingness to experiment and explore. Life certainly can be a serious matter at times, but it's good to embrace the opportunities that it offers for enjoyment. Sharing enjoyable experiences with a partner can make those experiences extra sweet. Fifth, are we a priority for our partner? Developing a relationship takes time and focus. If a partner is unavailable, either because of time conflicts or because of emotional unavailability, our relationship with them is likely to suffer due to a lack of adequate opportunities to interact and thus to develop deeper knowledge of one another. A partner's willingness to invest in a relationship in terms of time or other shows of interest is a good bellwether for a promising relationship. And sixth, is our attraction durable? Sometimes when we're attracted to someone, our initial interactions quickly convince us that the attraction was ill-founded. Perhaps we perceived someone as gentle and considerate, only to find that they are cold or selfish when we start to interact with them. It bodes well for a relationship when we find that the things that initially attracted us to a partner are real and consistent, and that there's even more to like in that person than what we initially perceived. 
When all is said and done, there is no algorithm to help us improve our chances of connecting with a compatible partner. Inevitably, making that judgment depends on our interacting with that person, perhaps over an extended period. Since we have no guarantee that a new relationship will work out to our satisfaction, we need to be willing to take a reasoned risk and be vulnerable. Still, there are red flags and green flags that we can look for to increase our chances of a good match. With discernment and a bit of courage, we may find our life enriched with a wonderful new relationship. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussions, and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.